0: Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use the promo code DNVR20 and you'll get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously wonderful Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creisman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me today is our beat writer, Patrick Lyons. And he is here to discuss having just seen uh, Imperfect, the Roy Halliday story as aired on ESPN. This was uh, something that I've been looking forward to for a while, but I have also unplugged, as I believe the, the phrase is, and, and no longer have uh, traditional television. And so I was not able to view the documentary. I'm hoping to do so before too long, but I, I want to get Patrick's impressions about it. Um, as most people know, Roy Halliday out of Arvada West High School, a, a Coloradan, uh, one of the best p- pitchers of a, a generation, died tragically in a, a plane accident. And, you know, some people that may be all that they, they know or, or most of what they know. And so, Patrick, I want to ask you, uh, as we did, you know, when we we're going through the Ken Burns documentaries, first of all, just your, your grand overview, what did you think of the quality of the doc? And, and the, so secondarily to what I was just saying, did you feel like it gave you, uh, as somebody who's followed him probably more closely than even the average baseball fan and knows his story, um, was it worth your time? Did you learn a lot more? Uh, about the man, his career, and his life?
1: Well, I wouldn't say I learned a lot more about Roy Holiday after watching this E60 series documentary. I would say that ultimately it, it leans more on the sadder side than an informative side. There's really not too much about his career. You know that those would have been my favorite parts for the first maybe 15 minutes. Then you hit the first commercial break and then it's all right, let's see what life is like you know, post-playing career during his retirement. And you learn a lot about his, his struggles as, as a human being and the anxiety that he had and, and things of that nature. So it focused more on that. It did a good job with his interviews with his wife, Brandy, and talking with his son, Braden, as well. I, I thought he, he looked very strong in it, did a fantastic job talking about his father, obviously a very challenging issue to say the least. And, you know, again, not, not terribly informative, but I think it tries to do a job of, of encapsulating everything that we know. Because the most recent stuff, the most recent memories we have of him, for some may have been last summer's induction to the Cooperstown Hall of Fame. That might be how people remember Roy Halliday. But for those that, you know, remember his, his plane crash in, uh, I believe it was 2015, you know, at the age of 40. They they remember that and they remember the toxicology report and they remember thinking that, you know, this was somebody completely unlike the guy, that was a warrior on the field and someone who was, maybe perfect, on the field. He was the exact opposite of that away from the field. So it was, it was a tragic story, obviously. And uh, I thought they did a good job of it in in an hour's worth of time. So nothing, you know, major was unearthed, but. It, it certainly was, you know, interesting, you know, th- throughout the entire time, of course.
0: Yeah, you know, th- this one's, it's tough for me because I know that they're like, I want there to be, in general, more exposés about what life is like for professional athletes away from the game. And part of the reason why is because I feel like there are a lot of different ones. I mean, a lot of different ones. Rymal Tapia and David Dahl, despite being toolsy center fielders of roughly the same age, do not have the same story. And are, are not doing the same types of things when they leave the ball. Sometimes they are. I mean, like those guys hang out, actually. So sometimes they're literally doing the same thing. But their family lives are very different all of these things. And so I I think part of the struggle is this. It feels like such a weird word to use, but for a documentarian, drugs and alcohol and early death can be a, he said, and with giant quotations, a sexy story of away from the field. It seemed like he had it all. He was one of the greats, but beneath you know, there was this and we know that there are a lot of people who struggle in pro sports. So I, I want to ask you, do you feel like, you know, balance was given to that conversation and, and that it wasn't sort of made out to be like. This is what happens to everybody who goes through this or, or you know, even even sort of painting, a you know, so you can you can glorify this kind of live fast, die young thing if you're not careful. I thought they did a a nice
1: job trying to answer that because, you know, of, of course, watching it from, from, you know, my perspective and thinking of the fact that, you know, there, there are a lot of people listening to this right now that are age 36 or older. That's how old Roy holiday was when his life essentially ended at least one of his lives right of course we know he was a father a husband a son a family member all of those things throughout his life and throughout his playing career but that thing that brought him the most joy that brought him you know the the greatest rush of adrenaline that was over at 36 that's 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 insane that's really hard to to wrap your head around so i i couldn't help but but watch and just think like oh wow let's see what life is like after a playing career and I imagine a lot of people had those same thoughts, but, but ultimately what the documentary does is it says, well, here's what his life was like after the Phillies, after the Blue Jays, and that life was, was a dark one. You know, his wife Brandy says that, you know, he got checked out and and they learned that he had ADD. Um, he suffered from depression and anxiety and you know, flying in particular was one of those things that, you know, made him feel good. It, it gave him that, that rush of adrenaline. It kind of allowed him to be both at peace while at the same time, you know, kind of give him that feeling of, you know, when he was on the mound again, he, he got sick before every, every time he went out on the mound, you know, which is something that you wouldn't say about a 200 game winner in a first ballot hall of famer. You, you, you wouldn't say that, but you know, he suffered from these things and, you you know, did his best once he retired. So I thought it it by no means, you know, there was nothing to really even glamorize about Roy Holiday's retirement because he wasn't a, a party guy. He, he liked being around his family. One, one of my, you know, aha moments or a moment that I, I said, whoa, out loud was seeing him as an assistant coach for Calvary Catholic High School for his son's team who ended up going 30 and 0. So I thought it was, it was very poetic. You know, his, his son said, Hey, you know, now it's not just you dad who has a, has a, you know, a championship ring. You know, I, I've got one too, but it, I thought it, I was more fitting that, you know, Halliday, you know, was, was perfect on the mound as a pro and now his, now he got to have that perfection with his son and that undefeated season. Um, and Braden was, was later, you know, selected by the, the blue Jays and, and drafted and I think he's still with that organization, but, That was the, that was my favorite part was seeing him maybe more at peace. You know, it's, he might be in peace in, 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 in a cockpit, but we know how that ended. So I can't buy into that. And and I can't be at peace with him in that world at peace, Uh but I can be with him, you know, on the sidelines in the dugout, coaching up his son and the other, other players at this high school and really kind of giving back to the sport that gave to him. That was, that was my favorite. know, part of, of, of imperfect.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm a sucker for baseball and fathers and sons. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd have been eating all of that up for sure. Let's do take, um, one step back into this a little bit and do the other, You know, because this is a very heavy thing, and it's one of those. But let's do the the fun part. Let's do the celebratory part. Let's do the thing that we've probably done once before, and it's worth doing again to celebrate probably the – I don't know how – why did I just use probably? The greatest pitcher to ever come out of Colorado. I don't know who's in second place. Uh, (laughs) I I really don't. And so, I mean, you're talking about a guy who won a Cy Young, his first at 26 years old and also won a Cy Young at 33 years old. Um, Only the the
1: fifth man to ever win a Cy Young in in both leagues. Of course, Blue Jays in 06, uh, and then with the Phillies.
0: And then uh, he also came in second a couple of years. uh, Before that, he came in third at one point, fifth another time, fifth twice, Um, and then... Second, one last time at age 34 in 2011 with the Phillies. When he pitched 233.2 innings, put up a 235 ERA. That's an ERA plus of 163. That was actually a career high according to the adjusted metrics in in terms of run prevention. He didn't pick up the kind of innings. Like he used to pitch stupid innings in 2003. That was a career high he pitched. 266 innings uh he led the league four times in innings pitched but that year not quite as many but he was harder to score on than he'd ever been in his career at 34 years old with just two more years after that remaining i mean for a decade the guy was just no worse than the third pitcher in baseball absolutely
1: I can't can't argue with that as you said it was it was a full decade from 2 to to 2011 was nine times he was an all-star during that period uh, averaged you know about about seven more per season and just just was was absolutely dominant you know in in the AL East mind you you know with a couple of Blue Jays teams that you know weren't great having to play against you know the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Orioles back when you know they they still had some some talent on their roster, you can't take that for granted either. And then, you know, becoming the the hired gun with the Phillies there for a couple of seasons. So th- the documentary was, was, it was interesting. Uh, there was one part and I didn't, I didn't catch the exact stat. And I, I really would have to go back and, and look at the the validity or at least the specifics of it was that, you know, in his, his second full season at, at age 23, he had a 10.64 ERA now it was only in 67 innings. And so the documentary said the highest ERA of, of any pitcher, you know, in, in a single season, but you know, I don't know what the the specifics maybe of of any pitcher at 67 innings or more. So he was, he was absolutely abysmal. And then to think in basically a year's time in 2002, he would become an all-star and become doc holiday and become that dude, that first ballot hall of famer. It's, It really shows how much of a of a hard worker he isn't and how much that, you know, whether you're a first round pick from Arvada West or you're or or whether you're an international free agent and you sign for a couple million dollars and you're gonna be the next greatest thing, you still have to prove yourself in this game. It doesn't matter. Sure, you're selected first by the Blue Jays. You know, here's here's a million bucks. All right, you gotta go earn that spot. You are, you are no better than a guy who might be 28 years old and we picked him up off the scrap heap. You're both going to battle in spring and whoever has, has that the better month of March, you're going to be going North with us. If not, sorry, you know, sorry, bonus baby. Sorry, first round pick. You need to do a little bit more growth down in, in, in AAA. So it's one of the, the beautiful things about Roy Halladay was that he did have that adversary and uh, adversity, excuse me, but he, he came back. He came back from that.
0: Yeah, our, um, our very good friend, basically our best friend, Hall of Famer Tracy Ringlesby, uh, friend of the podcast, of course, has brought this up several times in reference to our very own Kyle Freeland and the, the struggles he had gone through after really establishing himself a couple of years in the league, league adjusts back, puts up this ugly number, has to get sent down to triple I mean, there, there's a lot of them. And even the mentality of the two guys, where the, you know, the state they're from, there's a lot of similarities between Freeland and Halliday. And when you talk about Ringlesby and another friend of ours, Ed Henderson, you're talking about guys who covered him and even scouted him in high school uh, as they did with Kyle Freeland. And so, yeah, it'll be really, really fascinating to see, you know, in nine years, are we talking about, can you believe that one year that Kyle Freeland just fell off and, and is he about to become a perennial all-star the way you, you never know. You can never predict things like that, but you look at these numbers, they're stark. I mean, that, that 1064 ERA is even worse than what Freeland did last year by a decent amount. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, he, he he really struggled there. It's a, it's a shame that Freeland's had to wait this long that, yeah, um, you know, at this point we would be almost two months into the season. We can either say he's figured it out. He still doesn't have it, or we're seeing some improvement and maybe, maybe he's leveled out and maybe this is the Kyle Freeland that we should come to expect but he hasn't had that opportunity. You of course mentioned Ed Henderson who scouted Roy holiday was a friend of the family. Uh, I spoke with him on uh saber conversations podcast. I, I produced last year and he was a, he, he went to Cooperstown. Ed was there. He's, he's one of our, our close friends up in the press box. We, we miss you, Ed, if you're listening to this and yeah, you, you know, was, was very close. He has a couple of really good stories uh, about Roy and, and his father and, and scouting and you know, it's I'd I would be remiss if I if I did mention Goose Gossage would be the other very good pitcher from the state of Colorado, a Hall yes. of Famer. Not a starting pitcher,
0: but uh he's also really good. Um but you know I got Goose Gossage's autograph at JUCO in Grand Junction. So that I didn't think of that is a little bit embarrassing.
1: <laughs> I think you're blocking him out because he's
0: a former Yankees guy. So I, I think, think that's what it is. just You just have an adversity for that. I think that that's exactly (laughs) what it is.
1: Any Colorado Yankee connections, you kind of just want to forget about, but it's it's very hard to do. So yeah, the, the, it it was a, it was a really nice documentary, you know, overall. I mean, obviously once you get into his, his post playing career, it, it obviously becomes, you know, challenging to to hear about those things and you know where where it ends you know he didn't take too many risks i imagine with with his family in the plane they they did mention that um he he flew one of his planes underneath a bridge in tampa with when he was with his wife at one point but you know the story could have gotten a lot worse you know um because it didn't doesn't mean it's it's some somewhat of a happy ending but uh it it just goes to show that you know, life, life can be really unpredictable in that no matter how much money a guy has or how much a success a person can have in their life in, in one area, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are at peace or that they, they're successful everywhere. So it it, it just really makes you you think about players off the field because we only know them as, as, as these idols, or we only know them as these players who put up numbers and statistics, but that's just such a short portion of their career. It's, it's, it's literally hours of, of, of their life that they're on a field performing. And those are the hours by which we judge them in so many ways. And uh, it, it's almost surprising there aren't more stories like this of players having these kind of tragedies.
0: Yeah, you know, and and there were a few very close together. Jose Fernandez is the other big one that comes to mind that was uh, eerily similar, just boat instead of plane. Um, But, you know, yeah, I mean, it's – and and we've talked about this with regards to, you know, when the season comes back and obeying or disobeying guidelines and how enforceable they are, but how – It's it's just tough not to feel invincible and or to come to rely on the rush of those three hours a day when 40,000 people or 20,000 people are screaming your name, cheering for your every success. And then when you go out into a world where that doesn't happen and you need to artificially create those kinds of
1: of rushes
0: uh yeah the these these tragedies can happen and so i hope that you know maybe in some way this is an effective um warning uh about that kind of thrill seeking
1: yeah absolutely and and he did he did get that adrenaline rush and on uh on the day that that he he perished in 2017 he was you know uh navigating some you know maneuvers that were rather dangerous and he, he mentioned like you know, somewhat idolizing himself, idolizing the, the blue angels and, and, the tricks in which they did. So he liked to do that and he liked to fly low on the water. You know, there was some, uh, bystander video, not from that day. I think it might've been even a different day of just him, you know, five, 10 feet off the ground. And ultimately the spot in which he perished, it was five, five feet of water. There was, there was just no depth there. So he liked those kind of stunt maneuvers. Again, gave him some, uh, an adrenaline rush, but it also allowed him to feel at peace. So it's again, very, very complicated, very complicated at that point. Um,
0: there, There is one specific thing we've got to discuss here, but before we do it in terms of Roy Halliday, I actually wanna make it slightly Rocky-centric and more than that, I wanna frame it this way because, <clears throat> I think we gotta, even though we don't have this official, we don't have the DraftKings sports book line on this. We're gonna we're gonna have to have them create something like this. And we'll we'll put our, our feelers out right now. I want to talk about Roy Holiday's perfect game, but I also want to pontificate on whether or not any member of the current Colorado Rockies staff, as we were just talking about, these bounce backs from certain young struggles. They got three guys with some interesting profiles. Um, if we had a DraftKings sportsbook line, I don't know what it'd be. Who's who's the leader? Who's who's the odds-on favorite? If I'm using that phrase correctly. Yeah, I th- um, I, th- I think because we don't know how
1: long a season is, that it it's hard to wrap. Even if we say okay, there's 82 game season. Hey, that's half a season. So really, if you're a 10 game winner, it's like you're a 20 game winner. It doesn't necessarily line up like that. So you say, all right, if anyone's gonna get a Cy Young award vote this year. Or if multiple Rockies pitchers, right, whether, whether we're talking Cy Young or we're talking MVP, who's higher? Where do they go? Right. For me, my money would be on Herman Marquez. Yeah. I think, you know, partially because he is more of a newer commodity, I think, you know, the BBWA voters, they might have their minds made up about John Gray. And if he has a, you know, a really good season – they might look the other way when, when they're, you know, giving out a third place vote or a second place vote. I think Kyle Freeland, him being a new kid on the block, I think that allowed them and, and he had a very successful 2017 season too. So I think people said, Hey, you know what? This, this kid really could be onto something. Yeah. His numbers are undoubtedly uh, undoubtable. Uh, I'm I like, good with words. I like that. No, I want uh, that on a shirt. Undoubtedly undoubtable. <laughs> The Kyle Freeland story, yeah. right? <laughs> the story of uh, the shortest right. Cy Young award season in, in history, the twenty twenty campaign. Right. But but I, I think maybe voters could go away with Gray. And I think the DraftKings, you know, line's gotta be on, on Hermen Marquez. He's come close to throwing a no hitter already, you know, against the Giants last year we saw. And I, I think he's got a lot more a lot more flash and a lot more potential. He's he's a few years younger than those those guys. So I think he would be the the odds-on favorite if, if DraftKings were going to say, hey, will this guy get – you have to set the line at a half, a half of a vote. Right. So really, will he get one? Will he get one point, You know, a third-place vote? Or is he getting nothing?
0: Right. And I would take the over on that. Yeah. I, right I, now, I would take the over. On Marquez for like a season like this, too, because he could just get hot and strike out everybody and save nothing and just go out to prove himself to the world. And I think your your value pick, uh, if you're looking for somebody who's long odds and you won't have to throw down much money, uh, but you could just you know eh, throw in a little bit of something and and if whatever happens would be you know Freeland. Uh, I, I think the general public appeal the the you know Vegas whatever they they think the public opinion of Freeland is going to be not high after the year he just put together and if you know you believe in his mental capacity to bounce back and and to sort of replicate what he did in 2018 or not even do that just do a little you know whatever the you know maybe won't get any cy young votes but could he sneak in and get some back of the back end with you know yeah, yeah the, the blooms off the rose with freeland so
1: you you're going to take yeah you're going to get way better odds on freeland than gray and i think you could possibly make the case that you know, Freeland has the potential to have just as good of a season as Gray. I don't necessarily think that's the case, but you could make it. You could make it. And that's going to pay out big on DraftKings for Freeland to even get one vote. And think of it like this too, with a shortened season, you're going to have a lot of split votes because voters aren't going to have that unequivocal, like, all right, here are the top three guys. Look, they did it over the course of 35 starts. Not going to be room to separate. Exactly, 160. Exactly, right? The compiling numbers. They're going to say, well, this guy's got more innings. This guy's got more strikeouts. Yeah, but because he had more starts. Well, how do you try to tabulate all of these things? And we know the difference between you know whether it's Fangraphs war versus baseball reference war. There's such variability. You go, I don't know, man. Freeland did it for the second time in three years over the course of his 15 starts. I'm gonna I'm gonna slide him in on a third place vote and boom bing bang boom Bob's your uncle <laughs> you just won seven hundred and fifty dollars right. on DraftKings right because you took the
0: long shot right That that could be a reality that could be a reality and of course our guy AJ Hafley says hashtag John Gray <laughs> Ace for life. So if you if you're still a believer and honestly, there could probably be decent odds on him. I would assume the yeah. public would be like you were saying, I, I think a lot of people. Uh, have kind of made up their minds about John Gray. And uh, I think you and I both believe there's there's more in there. Um, but we'll find out one way or the other. Do remember the DraftKings is not some offshore operation like those other gambling sites. It's a legitimate sports book based right here in the United States. You can be confident that your funds are secure. In a time of limited sports, this is your chance to scratch your competitive itch. There's all kinds of stuff going on uh, now we got some UFC, some NASCAR, some KBO. We're going to have stuff for you uh, when it comes to the Rockies draft, specifically the Rockies draft, what they do, what they don't do. Uh, these future bets are going to be coming out soon, like we were just talking about. We we obviously don't know the specifics on them because they don't exist yet, but what we've just been talking about here, things like them are going to exist very soon. You're going to be able to start putting your baseball knowledge to work to put money into your wallet, basically, it's it's super awesome. Uh, it's really easy to download. You you uh, use the code. Where is it? It's just DNVR, not DNVR twenty. I mean. Yeah, just the code DNVR. Sign up right now for a limited time. All new users can get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. So enter code DNVR to get that sign-up bonus. Today must be 21 or older, Colorado-only bonus, comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call one 800 522 four seven zero zero and breathe and breath (laughs) those high school speech and debate class paying off baby (laughs) Drew's doing this at
1: altitude so I mean come on that's pretty impressive to say the least
0: just like Kyle Freeland and our guy Roy Halladay I train at altitude Patrick let's talk about the perfect game in fact tell me Tell me your story of The Perfect Game, and then we'll talk about The Perfect Game. So, Do like, you know, uh, do you know yeah. my story? Uh, very briefly. I believe we've had... The, uh, you've you've okay. begun to t- tell me on the phone one time. Let's get the whole thing. Uh, I, I want to use a, a line from the Mad Hatter in Alice in Wonderland. I would like you to start at the beginning. And when you come to the end, stop.
1: Okay. Well... It was a warm summer day in July in 1980 when I was born. And no. That is the beginning. That is the oh, beginning. <laughs> that would make me pretty old. Um maybe I wasn't born then. Okay. I don't know. I, I should I divulge such information of a year I was born? in the 19 aughts. Um well today's the tenth anniversary of of Roy Halladay's perfect game against the then Florida Marlins in I think it was called Sun Life Field. It's now like Hard Rock Stadium. It's at, that that ballpark, Joe Robbie Stadium, Pro Player Park. <laughs> that's had a million names. I think it was even called like Landshark Field. It's had some crazy names. Dolphin Dol- Stadium.
0: No, that was Yes. <laughs> yeah,
1: that was one. Right, right. I yeah. think it was I think it was both Dolphin Stadium and Dolphin Stadium. Both <laughs> of those.
0: Dolphin Stadium. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh but at the time I think it was it was like Sun Life or something. And so that's, that's one of the reasons why this, this documentary came out today is because it's the 10th anniversary. And I was nowhere near television. I was near television. But I did not care a single bit about this game as it was the night before my wedding. So to me, uh, you know, ba- baseball and everything was on hold. In fact, as I was as I was watching Imperfect, the Roy Holiday story, uh, I... I kind of told some of this story to Robin and my wife and she's like, I don't, I don't remember any of that. It's like, well, it was kind of our wedding day. So I was very much focused on it staying the wedding day. I very easily could have swerved. (laughs) I had the opportunity many times. It's going to become a baseball day real quick. We've all got that, that ability. (laughs) Our first date was a baseball game. Our first official day uh, that we were married, we went to a baseball game so I said, ah, you know what, let's make sure this day is about her. So next morning, of course, you know, watched the highlights, saw it, amazing. I hey, gotta put my tux on, gotta do the whole, whole spiel. And talked to the, about it a little bit at the, the wedding reception and, and, and whatnot. And it turns out one of the guests uh, at my wedding is actually the brother of the Phillies announcer, Tom McCarthy. So of course, when we got to his table, it was like, "Hey, did you talk to your brother?" Yeah, I talked to him this morning. He said how great it was and all this stuff. And and he was actor Tom McCarthy was even in the documentary, um, you know, just just kind of in the background here and there. And I think I met him once when I was younger, when he he first started dating uh, my cousin. And so that was just one of those really just interesting surreal things of like I'll never forget what that that date is. I'll also never forget you know what year. Or, and the month that Armando Galarraga threw his near-perfect game because that was on my honeymoon, Mm -hmm. and that was another thing. It was like, all right, yeah, let's go kayaking, hon." And I'm like, oh, my God, I want to know what happened in this game. Mm -hmm. But, hey, doing the marriage, we're doing the honeymoon thing, and and thankfully tomorrow I'm still able to happily celebrate my 10th wedding anniversary because I was able to put the holiday perfect game in right. the rear view there. So that's, that's kind of my, you know, story of, of the perfect game. It's, it's not much of a story, but it it's, it's certainly one that it, it's certainly my story. I'll, I'll leave it at that. It,
0: it is just interesting to be such an enormous baseball fan and perfect game. Just don't come along every very often and, and any other time, you know, you'd, you'd be pushing aside just about anything else <laughs> to be there. So there is an irony of the timing on, on those things, uh, 100%. Uh, so I do want to talk about the game a little bit itself. Well, and and you mentioned that it was against the Marlins, which is one of those things where people, whenever someone wants to poo poo on a perfect game or no hitter, they go, well, look at that team. Uh-huh. good. It's like those, that Marlins team was okay. Um, but it it is you know fascinating to me that um, this I, I think and I think it's because of the dominance otherwise right that it was almost inevitable that he would some point throw a perfect game. He's also had no hitters in his career, uh, but still it it, it does look, it does not matter who you're facing if you don't let anybody get on base. You had an extraordinary day at the ballpark.
1: Yeah, I mean there there were a couple of decent bats in the lineup that day. Yeah, you know, obviously the the best one was was Hanley Ramirez. You know, who who struck out twice. You know, went zero for three. He was the starting shortstop in the All Star game that year. He was by that point he was a three time All Star. So I mean, Hanley Ramirez is was definitely nobody to um, you know turn a turn a side eye at Chris Coghlan, leadoff hitter. You know, scrappy guy was. was a rookie of the year, look it up, one of the most forgotten rookie of the years okay. during the <laughs> 2000s. <laughs> Jorge Cantu, you know, he might have been on the the back end of his career after, you know, some fantastic seasons with the Rays. Yeah. Dan Ugla, you know, was a multi-time all-star, of course, you know, uh, swing and miss, you know, quite a lot. But but Cody Ross ended up having a, a real positive career. Uh, Cameron Maben had recently come over in the, as one of the top prospects in, in the Miguel Cabrera deal. We went from the Marlins to the Tigers at the time, so you know it wasn't. It wasn't as. It definitely was far from the lineup that the likes of say when Randy Johnson struck out twenty. If you go back and look at that Atlanta lineup, it was it was really bad. Sure. Chipper Jones, Brian McCann, Andrew Jones, all those guys had off days, and wow. and I remember at the time thinking like I don't even know who some of these guys are
0: because they were through their Pat Vallecos and stuff.
1: <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Um, so yeah, and and, and again, just 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 being perfect is like, is wow. Like it just it just doesn't happen. We we've seen teams who tank and who they run out bad teams intentionally. In September, they've got young guys. They're like, hey, I don't know if this guy's good. I don't know if he's bad. He actually probably is bad, but who cares? If we lose another game, we'll lock up that that first round pick, and that it's just better for the tanking tanking you know process. And guys don't throw a no hitter in September. Or, or a perfect game, I, I should say. So, I mean, you definitely can't take anything away. If you get it done, you get it done. And and later that 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 same year, in October, he goes and throws the only other postseason no-hitter against the Cincinnati Reds. And the other no-hitter, of course, was actually a perfect game by Don Larson in the 1956 World Series. But still, that 2010 season just was, was magic. It, it was perfect for Roy Halladay.
0: There's no questioning the the quality of the opposition when you do it in the postseason. Uh, not in baseball, right? in other sports maybe, but if you if you've made it there in baseball, you get no hit in the postseason. You've you've come up again. I watched that game too, the the no hitter against Cincinnati. That was mm-hmm. just a remarkable display, and and one of those. And like you said, that year you knew, and and it was funny because there was another guy pitching in purple that same season in 2010 who gave you that feeling. And, and so Rocky's fans are very familiar with it. The second he took the mound, he'd throw two or three pitches. Go, oh, it might happen today. <laughs> like that was Roy holiday. Um, that whole year. I did want to ask you one last thing before we get out of here, but if you had other notes on the perfect game, I didn't want to get away from it, man. I wish I could have a perfect game out there in the WGT golf. By the way, we've got another tournament coming up here. This weekend's going to be tough. This yeah. one's going to be brutal. What are but, the de- do you have any details on it's I know it's called the Nuck right Nux Nuck Nux Invitational their knucklehead uh, mascot um, I'm not sure exactly what the details I heard the guys talking about before today saying the the holes are all pretty tough um, <clears throat> that they're expecting winning scores to be above par um, so, oh so uh, you know no perfect game happening out there but that's still hey, that means everyone's got a shot so it's download true. wgt on your phone or computer it's totally free go to dnvrgolf.com it's super awesome it's loved by over 20 million people in the world including the two of us patrick is much better at it than i am but i enjoy my time with it i'm getting better at it we'll say and like i said you know it just takes one tournament we'll see you know harrison <laughs> Wynn thought he was the man there for a minute and then that closest to the whole thing you know <laughs> totally messed him up. So I
1: think I got fifth, but it's funny you say that. You're having a good time doing it. You might not be great. Again, fifth place, didn't enjoy it because I'm stressed out. So it goes to show you, you know, what wins and losses. I don't know. That's right. I, it, it's how you feel on the inside. I I wish 100, I <laughs> 100%. uh
0: but yeah, so check it out like I said, DNVRgolf.com. Did you have any other notes about the the perfect game before I uh move on to, I just want to ask you, got me thinking about uh, a final question for you. No,
1: not, not really. You know, I thought it was, it was really fitting at the end, you know, Brandy's quotes, just talking about, you know, that sometimes imperfect people can, can produce perfection, you know, or can have Mm. moments of, of being perfect. And I think that that's true for every human being, you know, as, as great as the great leaders of all time, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King Jr., they were all imperfect in, right. in a lot of different ways. And it's uh you know, it it's 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 almost a word you, you don't want to use when describing Roy Halliday. And I, I think Brandy essentially said the same thing too, that she hates that word. And I, I thought it was you know, you, you talk about the perfect game in, in in the no hitter versus the Reds. I think he only had a walk to Jay Bruce in about the fifth inning. That was the only base runner, so he could have done it. You know, yet again. I, I liked how it how it it ended. the The ending was was really nice because they they show Brandy's speech uh, at at the Hall of Fame last year. She said, you know, it wasn't wasn't really my speech to give. She did a, a fantastic job. I, th- I think she was she was the leadoff speaker. You know, they. Mariano Lee Smith Howard Baines, all those guys said, "No, yeah, why don't you go first?" So, so, she did great, but as the credits rolled, they actually went and they they showed 2015 Colorado Sports Hall of Fame. So, I thought it was really nice they gave Roy the final word. You know, he just just shared a little, you know, anecdotal story about, you know, his high school coach, but it was I thought it was really fitting to, you know, he didn't get to make his speech. But here was a Hall of Fame speech that he was able to make back in 2015. So I thought, you know that that put a as nice of a bow as you possibly could could put on the Roy Halladay
0: story. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really nice. That's that, like you said, I like that. I like that a lot that they did that. Um, all right, I do want to lighten it up for the the final part of it here and ask you this because it got me thinking with all these moments that you've missed. And uh, I've missed several as well. What, since you've gone into the press box, has been Hmm. the biggest moment, the most surreal since you've been covering? Or just the, um, yeah, I'm I'm just curious. And I'm not sure you've gotten off the top of your head answer to this, but I'm not sure I do either. Um, The walk-off cycle from Nolan definitely comes to mind as a moment. Uh, being there for. Oh, and I was there for each Euro's 3,000th hit. That was insane. Mm, same. Yeah. Uh, maybe because it is it, it just right
1: here, right now. I was cleaning out some memory from, from my phone, getting rid of some old videos, and I stumbled upon a video that I had made, maybe for myself. I, I don't know what I was thinking at the time. I don't. I wasn't anything. I was gonna, you know, post to social media. It might have been something I was gonna share, you know, with with my parents or or my wife. But it was me leaving the ballpark, Coors Field, in the background, lit up, and just just talking to myself, saying, "It's midnight, or it was after midnight." I'm leaving Coors Field, Trevor Story just hit three home run- runs, mm. one of which bounced into the parking lot, left the left the stadium one in which was the longest recorded in StatCast history. I was under the weather. I could hear how hoarse my voice was, how congested I was. And I just say, man, I love this job. (laughs) And so that got me really excited to get back to the ballpark. I'm like, look at this kid. That was two years ago. But I'm like, look at this kid. Look at the moxie this kid's got. And just the love of the game that I know I have inside me. But I haven't been able to feel to that level or or show, you know. I, I guess right. to a certain degree. So, you know, for me, that was that was probably one of one of the the best days, you know, covering covering baseball, where it was just a moment in time that was just wow. That was that was something. This, this shortstop, <clears throat> this guy that you know, you could look at him and go, yeah, there's no way he's got that much power in him. Oh yeah, he does. You know, he was on his way to a 30, 30 season and boom, it just, it was, it was amazing. Have Have yeah. you answered that question? I don't know. I don't think that I have. Um, Let's spin it back to you, my man. You've, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have and um, you probably should cross out all any grand junction games as exciting as they may have been. I'm sure they can get a Ryan. honorable mention, right? I got some isotopes games. I would, Put a little uh, honorable mention yeah, too, but think I the-
0: watched Sam Hilliard hit a walk-off home run in a game that sent Grand Junction into their postseason. It was like a losing you're out, winning you're in situation. Mm-hmm. He hit the home run to send them there, but yeah, you know, um, <laughs> no, um, yeah. I mean the the Nolan walk-off cycle the, that whole day, the Father's Day thing that was yeah. just enormous. Uh, the wild card game. In, in 2017 in Arizona, because that was my first mm. postseason experience. And because I drove there and we had that whole story and the people who know and me and <laughs> Chap and Christian Clark. And uh, um, shoot, who else was with us now? No, oh, it was Anilo, Anilo Pirro. Um, Larry. Uh,
1: and one, well, of course,
0: well uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> then eventually our, our chauffeur, uh, Larry. <laughs> By the way, IO calls back to both Ed. Anderson and Larry Patrick, by the way. You've reminded me as we've been talking. I'm a bad friend. i got to call those guys back. But, yeah, um, just the rush to get there and arriving, feeling like you're still straightening your tie and and doing the thing. And then, you know, Bud Black asking, you know, did you get down here okay? And everything just felt different and looked different. And Chase Field is weird and disorienting also to begin with. So it just – everything was bizarre and then the, the first time i remember taking a deep breath since leaving denver colorado and, and driving straight through and we like stopped to sleep for two hours in albuquerque the whole thing was stupid um the first time i remember just sitting down and taking a deep breath i got up to the press box you know i went and found where they had put me and sitting down there and then seeing my name on the card drew Kreisman at the time bsn denver and I've got a, a view of uh, you know, and, and it's two hours to the wild card game. And I sat down with all the lights and all the postseason graphics going around, and it occurred to me, this is they they this is your spot. You belong right here, and that that was super cool. And it felt very similar the next year, you know, the, the in Milwaukee and all of that, but. You, you you never forget your first, I suppose, and that and for it to have been such a crazy because you know I just I flew to Milwaukee, I got off the plane, I drove to the ballpark several hours early, and I was there, and I, and I felt out the situation. I had deep breath the whole time. The rush to the wild card game in 2017 was absolutely insane. Despite the fact, and even just the way like the crowd hung on to every single pitch. I'd never been at a baseball, or I guess I had in uh, as a fan. The blackout game, game three NLDS in 07. But I don't know. It just felt different to be there as somebody who played some small part of it.
1: And the whole baseball world is watching. That that was the sense that I got in, in 2018 in, in game three. Yeah, it was snowy. Yeah, they, you know, they, they didn't really you know, contend at all. But it was like, you no, know, this is this is the place to be. And and the baseball world descended upon Denver, right? We had so many of the national media there and it was like okay it's it's all these little things that you know we've talked about before and i've you know definitely seen it a lot more from that perspective of someone who's you know been in only in colorado and been somewhat of a second class citizen in the baseball world in so many ways right it's like ah it's course field it doesn't count that doesn't matter many of your guys are in the hall of fame and it's it's really in the past few years that all of these boxes are are getting checked, you know, obviously 07 and 09, excluding that, but 17 and 18, a lot of juice. ESPN finally comes back last year in, in 2019. Alex Rodriguez just hanging out, talking with Trevor Story, that doing was some video with Noel Arenado. And it's like, okay, Colorado, hey, we're we're a we're a baseball state. We count. We count now. You know, and those moments can be few and far between, but there's been a lot more. And like you said, when you're a part of that, you're you're not just a part of, you know, the Rockies world and the Rockies history. You're part of baseball history. It's something much bigger.
0: Well, this has been fun. Uh, Good, reflective, Uh, potentially, hopefully educational. I don't know. (laughs) At the very least, entertaining. Uh, I want to thank everyone out there for listening. Uh, Make sure you're following on all the social media. You subscribe to the DNVR.com. You get yourself some cool merch. Hockey stuff is on sale this week because hockey is going to come back. It's going to be super weird and interesting. Baseball could learn a thing or two about what they're doing over there. Uh, We'll have more time to get into all of that. And I've said it a couple of times. I'm not going to stop. Patrick and I about to go bonkers bananas on this draft coverage it's yep. gonna get crazy out here so uh be ready for all of that uh hit us up with all those questions anything you've ever wanted to know about the draft let us know i, I promise you we've got time to discuss it we we're going to make sure that you are all experts on the draft and the Rockies system and the, the best prospects and hopefully even more around the NL West by the time this thing is done here in a couple of weeks, not even two full weeks, under two weeks away. So thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. I promise you that we will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creesman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.